Hey everyone, my name is Jason West and this is Pod Class. So I'm recording this the weekend before it goes up because, well, I have no idea when my wife is going to go into labor. It could be any day or any minute now. In fact, let me go check to make sure it's not happening now. Nope, still nothing yet. But I wanted to put the show together just in case the new king of California decided to make his grand entrance right on or before Tuesday the 25th. Now, regardless of whether or not the new overlord of the West household is here or not, today's episode is a really good one. Today, my guest is Kevin Ott. Now, unless you're Australian, you probably might be asking yourself, who the hell is Kevin Ott? Well, Kevin, as you'll discover in this interview, is a bit of a jack of many trades and international star, and we talked about all that he does both for money and for free, but... The main reason I wanted to bring Kevin on the show is that he is currently working towards becoming a Cicerone, which means beer sommelier. Now, what beer has to do with education, I have no idea. But besides the obvious, the connections between Kevin's passion for beer to the typical role of a modern educator is not something you'd recognize if you didn't dig a little deeper. Oh, and one more thing. Instead of games this week, I had Kevin teach us all a lot more about beer than really any average person can and arguably should know, so maybe ask for a designated driver before you listen to this one. All right, let's get the show started, but first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Spiral Notebooks. Spiral Notebooks, causing and solving children's OCD since 1934. That's my wedding advice. Yeah. And somehow we're going to transition my wedding advice into this show. Okay. So welcome. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Have we been recording this whole time? This whole time. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So welcome. This will be great. Uh, I talked a little bit about you in the intro. So uh, my audience has a general idea mm-hmm. uh, of who you are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always like to take it way back my joke is that I'm like a much less educated James Lipton yeah <laughs> my stack of note cards so I go back to the beginning uh tell me about your upbringing where, where did you grow up uh I grew up in um so we lived in Bucks County Pennsylvania uh which is right outside of Philadelphia Amish country uh no um <laughs> <laughs> it's about no like, it's, it's a good hour yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. an hour and a half from Amish country um, but, uh, we lived in Bucks County. Um, my mom and I, uh, my dad left when I was very young mm-hmm. and, uh, then oh. my mom got married again when I was 13 and then we moved actually into the city. Um, so I tell people I'm from Philadelphia because I legally can. Yeah. Even though, sure. you know, it always like, I mean, I get why people say like, I'm from Chicago, but then they're not actually from Chicago. They're, they're from, like, I feel like you're saying that because that's exactly what I tell people because yeah. I'm from outside of Chicago. Oh, really? Do you do <laughs> that? Because oh. it's just so much easier. It's easier. I get it. I get it. But I also sort of get why people are like, well, you're not from Chicago. Yeah. But I also get the sentiment behind it. It's just it. so much easier. Yeah, yeah. It's like when, when uh, I was out of town the other day. I was in Vegas uh, a couple weeks ago. And but you were actually in Reno. No, I was actually in Vegas. Yeah. And people would say, oh, where are you from? And my friend would say, 
uh, LA and mm-hmm. I would say Long Beach and he's like they don't care that it's Long Beach and so yeah. by half of the trip they'd be like oh where are you guys from and they're like LA <laughs> it's fine yeah. I think people know Long Beach especially in the, in, in the west, yeah, well, western US right a little bit but it's still just like it's yeah. just easier no LA, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. I get it, I get it. Yeah. anyway I say I'm from Philly and sure. I actually uh, I, I did it. live there yeah. for a very long time for, for like my entire teenage years nice. um, then I moved uh, I didn't go to college that far away I went to a really small school uh, called uh, Juniata College in Hunter. that's how you pronounce it? Juniata yeah it's, uh, this entire time I thought it was pronounced like Juanita <laughs> uh, you're not the only one <laughs> every yeah. time like Juanita yeah yeah the um, the, the school's uh, like social media and like PR departments actually have made a, made I think multiple videos um, about how to pronounce it. I actually have a shirt that has the pronunciation. On That's it. amazing. It's like the debate over uh, Lacroix or Lacroix. Yeah. Apparently, it's Lacroix. I I say Lacroix because I feel like if I say Lacroix, like you know how you meet somebody who like over enunciates. Yeah, but no. Like, apparently, it is Lacroix. They, they don't say the Nicaragua. Website. They say Nicaragua. You know, <laughs> like I don't. No, you go on guy. the website and it says uh, it's Lacroix, as in enjoy a Lacroix. Okay. And so that's like the official thing and so people who say la croix yeah they just want to be uh super pretentious. like frenchy french right yeah but that's it's a, it's a made-up thing yeah, oh, yeah. La croix. it's one of those things where it's like it's like it, hagen does not it, even a real word it's just a made-up thing. oh yeah yeah that's the well people who say la croix like i like again i get it it's one of the it's it's not my favorite movie quote ever but i find the movie quote that is the most useful in everyday life um <laughs> especially in this day and age is from the big lebowski Okay. Um, when uh, when Lebowski says uh, to uh, to Walter Walter Sobchak, he says, "Walter, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole." <laughs> so yeah, that's my that's my go to. Uh, if only I could use that with my students. <laughs> Why do I have to do this assignment? This assignment is stupid. You're not wrong, but you're being an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> hey man. Yeah. No, yeah. no. 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 I, I especially especially when it's like a you teach public school, right? I do because so, yeah. most of the assignments uh, are my own, but every once in a while we'll get these state mandated uh-huh. ones, and that's when I'm just like, you're not wrong. Yeah. How 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 comfortable are you, and how much are you sort of? Do you feel like you're allowed to to those those state assignments to say to your kids like, I know this kind of sucks. Oh, I mean, and I don't like know what we're allowed to do, but I definitely tell them. I, you know, I say, look, there is, if you ask me, why are we doing this? And mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for you. Or if my answer is because the state is making us yeah. like, I'm not going to grade you on this. We, okay. you know, maybe I'll give you extra credit if you do really well, but yeah. I'm certainly not going to grade you on something that I haven't built and I haven't put together. Uh, and if the state says, oh, you have to take this test or write this essay. Yeah. Great. Try your best. Do your best. Yeah. I'll give you extra credit for it. Mm-hmm. We'll learn from it. But I'm just throwing something at you out of nowhere. I'm not, this is not something that I'm, I'm going to grade you on. So, so there has to be a reason for why we're doing something. Okay. Okay. So you're not really selling it to them. Um, you're, you're, you're just, <laughs> you're just presenting them with I, it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm selling it to them as much as it's sold to me as okay. a teacher <laughs> Okay. where it's, it's not really sold to me. It's just, this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I turn to the kids. This is what you have to do. Yeah. And then we do it and you know, the kids do well because they they want to try, and, and they have I, an excellent teacher. And I, oh, well, I don't know about that, but I mean, I just, I definitely try to motivate them to do well for the sake of doing well. Yeah. And part of their ability to do well is the fact that I remove some of the uh, intimidation mm-hmm. of, and it's for a grade yeah, yeah, because yeah. the things that I grade, I have 
created lessons where, um, you know, it's called scaffolding where they start on one low, low, low level Mm -hmm. and then they build their skill set until they get to this big cumulative thing. And so by the time they get to that, they should be fully prepared. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the, um, the stuff that comes from the state, you know, it's supposed to be scaffolded based on everything you've done in the year. But half the time you look at the questions and you're like, I wouldn't even do well on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. So you're just like, okay, do your best. Yeah. If you get, if you achieve it a certain level, you'll get extra credit, but no skin off anyone's back if you bomb it or whatever, but try really hard. Cause you know, it makes us all look good when you try. And yeah. that's sort of how we, we go. So, uh, what like, kind of student were you? Um, I was not a really good student. I was, I was actually, you know what? I was a really good student up until about sixth grade. Um, and then things started to change for me. And I think the reason they started to change was because I, I started to have to work at it and I hadn't Mm. had to work at it at all. You know, like school came really easy to me when I was young and I was, so I got like really high grades without even trying, like I said, up until about sixth and seventh grade. And Mm -hmm. then my grades started to slip. Yeah. Um, and that was, and they were, they were not great in high school. I was sort of like a, you know, a, a B student, you know, well, but also so there's gotta be some sort of connection to what was going on at home. Yes, there is definitely that, mm-hmm. um, uh, home was not a place where I really enjoyed, you know, right. working and studying. Um, but what's interesting, and this is sort of what I think of a lot. And I think of it with, with, with kids and with teaching is that I did, um, I did not, when I was that young, and I really wish somebody had sort of sat me down and explained this to me, understand the difference between intelligence and hard work. Mm. Um, Because I remember, like, especially in high school, too, being so confused because I was not, like, in the National Honor Society or anything like that. And I think I was a pretty smart kid, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I mean, I read a lot. I was, was, you know, sort of like, you know, I was a thinker. I was a good writer. You know, Um, I did really well in my English classes. Um, You know, so... I always had a problem like why am I not in like the National Honor Society you know mm-hmm. because these other kids are in the National Honor Society and frankly they don't seem that bright yeah you know they didn't seem like really bright kids <laughs> but you didn't you didn't put together you're like why are my C's not getting me in the National exactly. Honor Society well, <laughs> I, well I, I put together like I'm really sm- it was more like I'm really smart why am I getting you know B's and C's mm. You know, instead of all A's because mm-hmm. I'm really smart something's yeah. not working here because I didn't really grasp I think at that age, not really until I was much older and I still sort of still struggle with it, you know, uh, at least internally, like the, the, you can be smart mm-hmm. and you can not understand something right away, but you have to work hard at it to understand it Yep. and you have to stick with it and work at it to, to, to be able to grasp it and like practice it and, and, you know, um, and sort of really just grapple with it, yeah. which is what these kids were doing, you know, I mean, right. which, which is why they deserve to be it's in the National Honor Society. It's something that uh, in education, it's funny because I hear this from a lot of people who aren't in education. They talk about this idea of, you know, sort of grit and perseverance and you can still be smart and mm-hmm. not get something right away. And all these things that I'm hearing outside of education, mm-hmm. uh, but within education, we have like our own term for it. You know, yeah. it's called growth mindset. It's the difference between growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Uh, fixed mindset is basically saying, I'm not good at math, let's say, right? That's fixed mindset. I'll never be good at it. It's just how mm-hmm. it is. Or I'm a really good writer. That's I'm naturally good at yeah. it. Whereas the growth mindset is, uh, I'm not a good writer yet. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get good at it mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. It'll take time or I'll struggle. Um, and I just think it's really interesting that part of the reason for starting this podcast is because there's a lot of overlap between education and what we do outside of education in the rest of the world. But for whatever reason, that Venn diagram is not overlapping in a seamless way that people understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? This idea yeah. of, you know, kids aren't learning about perseverance. It's like, well, no, we are working on this growth mindset thing, but nobody else outside understands that what growth mindset is unless you're a teacher. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really cool to hear people outside, you know, saying these are lessons that I've learned. And it's like, that's why we need to have these conversations yeah. about education. Yeah. I think still people, pe- people still, there's still very much a, a way of thinking of school as being something where you learn sort of f- like facts and figures and, mm. and things like that that are never going to be really applicable to your life again once you get right. out. Um, which I think, I mean, it's not, that doesn't come from nowhere. I think there's a little it's bit, not you know, like I haven't used algebra. Merit. But what I think we we sort of don't think of enough is that school is also where you realize a lot of how how you sort of interact with the things that you do right right where you learn like learning that growth how to mindset, learn is or really you learn yeah yeah what it should be yeah school should be definitely more about learning how to learn versus learning facts mm-hmm. right because it's true you're not gonna I, the magna carta is a very important document in history yeah but that is not something that every every day you're driving down the street going god i'm so glad i know what the magna carta is yeah but it is, it's about learning how to learn and being exposed to new types of skills and to new types of thinking and to new areas of education mm-hmm. that interest you, that pull you into that world. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's, there's, there's a disconnect. It's more about can you answer the, the questions correctly on a test mm-hmm. versus do you know how to think through challenging yeah, processes? Precisely. So you were an okay student in high school. Teachers in high school. Yeah. Were there any that you felt really, you know, spoke to you, connected with you? Um, Because I'm always interested to hear about people's high school experiences. uh, I had, it's interesting. So I had, um, had a couple of teachers who were, um, I had one guy uh, named Jim McCullough who was a history teacher. um, And he was just, I actually don't remember him as a teacher. I just remember Hmm. him as a guy. And he was a really nice guy mm-hmm. and he was really sweet and friendly and very sort of fatherly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there what was another teach? guy. Sorry. What did he teach? He taught, uh, he taught us history. Hmm. Um, there was another guy. Um, and this is interesting. Um, his name, he was, he was, he was Ukrainian. His name was Adamar Rakowski. Um, and, uh, and he and I actually became close, uh, just because he became close to a lot of students. Um, and, he taught physics and I got very bad grades in physics. Mm. So that was really, that was interesting that I had this really positive relationship with a teacher in whose class I was just like not doing well. Um, Did you care to do well or did you try hard in that class? That's a good question. I sort of did try hard, but Mm. I, I I don't know. I don't know what held me back to be honest, because Mm. it's, it might've been that I liked him so much that I would, I was embarrassed to ask him for help mm. because I was embarrassed to have him think that I was like, that I couldn't do this on my own that I, you know, but it's that's weird. Really because interesting. Like, As like a teacher, that's sort of blowing my mind. Yeah. Cause that's not something that I would have considered that students would like you too much to ask for help. Yeah. Well, because hmm. I mean, well, I think that's more of a, um, uh, 
that no, I mean, I like totally, a, totally makes sense when you said it. It's yeah, just like not a pull yourself up by ever, your bootstraps. Yeah, I would have never thing. considered it. Yeah, yeah, because I was embarrassed. At, you know, yeah. I, was, I was definitely embarrassed to ask him for help, and especially because, like, like I said, he he was close with a lot of students, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the other students that he was close with were all very bright, and they were all very, mm-hmm. uh, they were all really good in the class. And I was like, again, I was sort of embarrassed, which is weird because I was also embarrassed when he handed me back my test and I got like a 70 on it, you know. Um, but that was at least that was a fleeting, short lived embarrassment that I could like I could just right. stuff it in my bag and forget about it, mm-hmm. you know, to you actually those... get help from him and sit there yeah. like during an extra help session for like half an hour and admit to him that like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm still not getting this. Yeah, I'm still not getting this. Like that's, that would have been disappointing. I would feel like that would be disappointing to him. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because um, what I have seen in my years of teaching is if a kid is really smart mm. and they're not doing well, they are they're almost not doing well by way of making a point mm. um, in the sense that because as you had said, they had you know been able to do really well without trying. And now here they have to try to do well. But what if, God forbid, they tried and still didn't do well? Yeah. That would be just debilitating to their psyche and their ego. Uh So what instead I have found more often than not is students who actively don't try. Because then they can say when they don't do well, it's because I didn't try. Yeah. Like had I tried, of course, I I would have gotten the highest grade in the class. Mm -hmm. And then everyone knows that 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 kid is smart and, Mm -hmm. you know, can just talk circles around them in class discussions or anything like that. And then when it comes to the actual assignment, they don't do well. And it's like, cause I didn't care. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it's cause you didn't try and you didn't try not because you don't care, but because you're clearly afraid mm-hmm. of what would happen if you tried and still somehow didn't succeed. And that's a mindset that I think persists into adulthood as well. Uh huh. Absolutely. You know, why have you not started your own business? You're extremely good at this one thing. Yeah. You could run a business doing this. I think it's the root of why reality TV is successful, honestly. Okay. Because we like to watch reality TV and go, what the, they don't know what they're doing. This is how they should have done it. Da, 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 da. And you're like, why don't you do it? Oh, you know, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But every week you come to this show and you scoff at the Shark Tank people and how you would do this and you would do that. Mm -hmm. So do it. It's very easy to be a bystander or an audience member yelling at the people who are doing what they're doing. I can't tell you how many teachers I run into who still have that mindset. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, yeah. oh, I hate all the way that, you know, everything is going in education. All right, why don't we change it this way? Well, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Change is both scary, but also at the same time, what if I fail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd rather tell them how bad they're doing. Yeah. We're too hard on failure too, I think. Yeah. Like, like, okay. Like if, what if you fail? What if I fail? Well, mm-hmm. then you failed. People yeah. fail all the time. It's, it's, you know, it's not as great as success, I no. guess, but you know, <laughs> Hey, it happens. No, right? it's definitely not as good as success. No, it's not. In, in, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> like, well, I did lose my house, which was kind of cool, but it wasn't as good as when I, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, I'm going to cut that out. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So then you had some really close connections with teachers mm-hmm. but it still didn't pull you out academically the way you wanted no no so then you go to college uh-huh where in your life do you feel like in that moment you're like i see a direction for myself i still didn't see a direction for myself sure. even after i graduated i didn't see okay. a direction for myself and what wound up happening is i wound up working uh, at newspapers hmm. 
Um, I worked for the newspaper in the town that, that my college was in mm-hmm. um, for a couple of years. And then I moved on to a bigger one. And then I moved on to a bigger one after that. Um, and then I quit to go to film school at Boston University, which was, let's call it the biggest mistake of my life. Wow. I guess. I, if I had it to do over again, I might do it over because that's actually where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I met some good friends there. Uh, living in Boston was great. It was a fun couple of years. Um, but it what was, was, do you think the, the issue that you had with, with it, was um, it? I did it. And I think this is why a lot of people pursue higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it because I didn't know what else to do with my mm-hmm. life at that point. You know? So you felt like you were, it wasn't so much the biggest mistake because you did something that was regrettable as much as you felt like these years were not utilized. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and it felt like God, then if that's the case, then uh, like seven through 30, yeah, <laughs> it was oh. like seven through 30 is like my film school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I look back and go, God, I watched a lot of TV. Yeah. I had a lot of really bad food. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, if I could go back, <laughs> I would probably redo a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sh- shit man <laughs> um that's a totally different podcast <laughs> what would i have done differently that'd be, that'd be a good one i would listen to that oh my um, god that'd be so depressing so you know and it was you know i i learned a lot but here's the thing well here's the thing about film school nobody needs to go to film school mm. nobody needs to go to film school but how else are you going to have pretentious opinions on you know that's the best thing to come out of film school is like a bu- and like if you like go to youtube right now how many channels are there that are just like just dumb dudes like not dumb they're smart but they're still dumb like just expounding on like like you know how quentin tarantino builds a scene and it's like (laughs) my wife and i were walking uh down the pier the other day and just enjoying a nice sunny day and there were these kids who were walking behind us but they were walking at such a pace that they walked right by us and we heard this whole chunk of their conversation about some movie that it was an unnamed movie. We didn't hear that part, but okay. it was just, you know, and the real problem with it is that, you know, they just, it was so forward in the, in the context and it's more like show don't tell and blah, 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 blah. And they just like, uh, they walked by us and my wife turns to me and she's like, and, and she looked at me and I was like, ugh. and she goes, Oh please. That was probably you with all your friends. And yeah. I was like, actually it a hundred percent was. Yeah. And, but when we were talking about it, it really mattered. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as much as, you know, we I, like I mock people like that, too. And I yeah. like, you know, I'll definitely continue to mock people who build entire YouTube channels around it. Mm. But, you know, that's a that's a period everyone needs to go through when they decide to sort of pursue critical yeah. analysis of, of popular culture. And that's really funny because I, I have this like real talk on college with my seniors at the end of every year. And one of the things that Is I it show, called real talk with Mr. It, it, West? it's called real talk. <laughs> And it's, it's another podcast. I'm just, I'm starting podcast after podcast. What would I have done differently? Pod class. Do you have like a sweater, huh? like real talk. Shoulders, like a guitar. Yeah, yeah, I have an empty pipe that I just fiddle yeah. in between my fingers. Um, but no, one of the things I tell them is I said, you know, when you come home from school, if you do go away, there will be a time when you feel really isolated from, you know, your family and your friends because how do these people know nothing and you know everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because again, you're learning about critical thinking and you think you've just discovered critical thinking and uh-huh. no one else has done it. And then you get a few years old and you're like, oh, that was just that thing yeah. that I went to school and I thought I'm smarter than everyone because I'm thinking in a way that no one else has thought. And everyone's like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. 
It's okay. It. You got to be a douchebag for a little yeah, while. Yeah, you just yeah. have to be pretentious. Yeah. And then you come through it, you're like, ah, I'm better for it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to judge all the people who come after you and are pretentious. Yeah. And As well like you it, should. And act like yeah. it was never you yeah. until your wife points out on a sunny day that that was you and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just because being a douchebag is a phase we all need to go through doesn't mean douchebaggery is not douchebaggery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not an acceptable phase, but it is a necessary phase. Yes. Yes. Sure. It's like puberty. Yeah. It's not exactly. really a great phase. Yeah. But it's 100% necessary. Exactly. It's exactly. So you, you graduate, you go, you work at uh, newspapers, you do film school. Yeah. Now, here's what I find interesting, because uh-huh. there are two phases in your life that you're in right now Yeah, that I find really fascinating, because it really connects with education, and it's all about the ability to communicate and communicate mm-hmm. well in an engaging way. You do, so randomly enough, you do uh, Australian public radio, uh-huh. and you are also studying, uh, and you're almost there, right, to do your test to become a... Uh, Cicerone, is a, c- a Cicerone. Thank yeah. you. That was on the tip of my brain. Yeah. So, uh, and for those of you that don't know, a Cicerone essentially is like a, a sommelier for beer. Precisely. So, both of these things involve communicating your own knowledge and your own perspective in yeah. a way that is accessible to other people and gets them engaged and excited about the thing that you are invested in. Yes. So how does what you have learned in school sort of translate over to this? Or is this more of just a who you've always been and you've been able to ignore all the other teachings? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, uh, you know, it's I, I've never heard it really phrased that way. And it really, it makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, because basically both things... Um, both being so uh, on on uh, Australian public radio, I do a, a weekly show where I talk about uh, entertainment news. Right. Um, and that is, in a way, that's a form of teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Because I go on and I, I say, here's what's going on. And the host asks me questions. And we sort of, they also get to, add, like, the, the host also asks me questions about, like, politics occasionally and things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and your answer is always, it's bad. Yeah. It's very bad. <laughs> the world is on fire. Run. <laughs> Um, Stay in Australia. You're safe somehow. <laughs> yeah. The most dangerous country in the world. You are safest there. Yes. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, they asked me to do that and I was doing it like, you know, uh, they would ask me periodically and then they asked me to do it bi-weekly and now I do it weekly. Mm. Um, and I... Pretty I, soon you're just going to be running the whole show. That would be cool. That would be real. <laughs> I, have, I, sort of, I sort of have this fantasy where like they, they say like, hey, do you want to come to Sydney and, and we'll give you your own show? And I say, Sure. And I upend my entire life. You know, I don't know. The, the <laughs> fantasy kind of stops there because it gets difficult. But and, and and yeah, you just avoid all the kangaroos, poisonous spiders, yes. poisonous plants, and sharks. Sharks, yeah, uh-huh. and uh, really impressively macho men. Yeah, it's really it's the scariest place. It's I, terrifying. It's yeah. literally. I'm somebody who would really like to travel everywhere. Yeah. Except Australia. <laughs> yeah. Why would you avoid kangaroos, though? I guess they're they can be pretty aggressive, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's just I feel like if if the world was a video game, right? Yeah. I feel like Australia would be the final level. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like the hardest. You're just like you take one step, you're dead. Uh huh. Like it's it would it's like the Oregon Trail of life yeah. is Australia. <laughs> You're just like, I think I'm doing, but oh, I'm already, I have dysentery and I'm dead. You oh, have died of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you have died of Australia. Anyway, um, that's how I wanted that. But, but it's interesting that you say that like, that's, that's sort of a form of teaching and, and as is being a Cicerone, 
Um, the Cicerone thing is because is honestly that's more just because I like learning, um, and I think. Which I find is a really interesting distinction between people who are good at school mm-hmm. versus people who enjoy learning. I've always been like a pretty curious person. I've always been a very sort of, I've always been, uh, you know, a big reader since I was a kid. And I've mm-hmm. always been very, I read a lot of nonfiction um, when I was in high school. And I remember reading, there was a period of time where I was reading like just a lot of sort of John McPhee type um, uh, like nature writing and things like that and, and writing about science. Um, and I was actually interested in science for a very long time um, and still am. But like that was sort of a big phase in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yet in school, when I was actually taking science classes, I was I was not good. Yeah, I, I had like, I'm not into this. Yeah. yeah. And so so you're right. So there is definitely a, uh, you know, some sort of disconnect between love of learning and love of school. And that sort of comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning where yeah. school really needs to be learning how to learn mm-hmm. versus learning regimented facts. Yeah. Because we're all going to learn these facts, but if you learn how to learn, mm-hmm. you will then catch all of those people who love learning yeah. in your net. Yeah. And then you say, hey, while I have you here, the Magna Carta. <laughs> I don't know. I always go back to the Magna Carta. But you know what I mean? It's, it's the foundational document of, a, of, of Western culture. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what I'm getting at, where it's like, if you just sit down and you say, Magna Carta, yeah. learn that. Why? Because. How will this affect me? It's important. Yeah. Versus, you know, hey, let's make this connection. Let's look at this document. Mm-hmm. And you tell me why it matters yeah versus me just telling you yeah and once all of a sudden oh why does it matter let me try to figure this out and then it's how do i process this how do i learn how to learn right Mm -hmm. or how do i learn to love learning yeah if i don't um so you out of a love for learning you think i love learning so much that i'm gonna drink my way to knowledge (laughs) right yeah that's the other thing well yeah i also like drinking um (laughs) But uh, it's funny because beer is, um, uh, you know, we're in Southern California, which is the San Diego specifically is the sort of epicenter of the American craft brewery movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And beer is everywhere around here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, um, it was in college that, and it's funny because the the fact that I'm from Pennsylvania might have a lot to do with this because uh, for people that know, southeastern Pennsylvania has a uh, a very delicious, cheap, ubiquitous beer called Yingling. Um, yes, which was that was the beer that I drank in college. Mm. Um, so I didn't drink Bud Light, I didn't drink Coors, right. I didn't drink like PBR, know, Keystone, or, or Nat- Natty Ice or anything like that. Um, I drank Guinness, and I fancied myself in college in my douchebag years. I fancied myself a real sort of you know classy guy because I was drinking you know, something sort of locally brewed and like yeah. it was a darker color and it was yeah. a more like sort of multi flavor. Harder to pronounce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Cause it's, it's not spelled like it's like, no. yeah, it's like Schuylkill River. That's how you spell it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, look it up. It's insane how it's spelled. Schuylkill River is not. Schuylkill. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Y. Why yeah. is there a Y in there? No, no, no. Um, anyway, so, um, so that's the beer I sort of grew, grew up. I didn't actually drink until I was in college. So like 18 or 19. Um, I, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't have, cool there's a statute of limitations. I think you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't though. I didn't, I, yeah. I, you know, um, but I came out here and it was like this wonderland and I didn't know, I just thought 
at that point when I moved here, I moved here in 06. Um, so, and at that point I just thought beer was just a, you know, it was just something you drink. I had sort of like uh, specific tastes. I knew that. Um, something that fills you up in a way that you sit there and you're like, wow, did I just eat a ton? You're like, no, no, no. I just had one beer, yeah. but I feel so full right now. That's the other. Yeah, and then like an hour later you burp and you're like, oh God, I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the nice things about beer though, is because, uh, if you're looking for a beer experience, mm-hmm. you know, a beer experience, um, nice. uh, you know, by the way, I would have gone darker. with experience, Ex- but that's okay. Be- that, that's way better. That's way better. Um, or, and if you want to really sort of impress the guy at the brewery, mm-hmm. um, ask for something that's higher gravity. Um, or ask him about the cream he uses on his lush beard. Because I'm that. just assuming, by, based on every commercial I've ever seen, yeah. that brewery workers have these lush, They're all, yeah, they're all just, like, they just have these big beards. Yeah, yeah. There is actually, okay, you're going to love this, um, Stone Brewing, which you've probably heard of. Yes. Okay, that's in San Stone Diego. IPA. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. Uh, Stone is outside of San Diego. Uh, it's one of the sort of uh, granddaddies of the craft beer movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that that's earned. That's an earned label. And they, they, all their beers are great. Even the ones I don't like are great. Um, they have a beer called Beard Beer. They don't <laughs> Beard. bottle it. They don't bottle it. And you're going to understand why in a second. You can only get it like at, if you go to the brewery, if you go to Stone. Okay. And it's made from yeast that had been that, that that had been sort of grown and cultured in the the chief brewer's beard. That sounds so disgusting. It's revoltingly disgusting, but it's really it's like, tasty. It's it's, really. it's like the coffee that it's like super expensive because it was because some cat shit it out. Yeah, it was like in monkey poo, and yeah. you're like, oh yeah, this will be great for. Oh, let me let me pick this out of the 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 poop. Yeah, and then roast it and drink uh-huh. it. Beard beer. You know what? It might not be. I I take it back. It might not be stone. It might be rogue. That might be rogue. Either way, which is they should all yeah be ashamed of themselves. (laughs) This is just this is horrifying. Um, so now let's land this plane a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's bring it back to you now. Are hopefully you will pass this test, Mm -hmm. and then it will be your job in some way to communicate and teach. Yes. How do you think you're going to approach this? Um, is it more? Is it more about? Because what's really interesting is that your what you're teaching is going to be so much more tactile and experiential. Yes. Than it is going to be theoretical. Correct. Uh, and, and so, how are you going to approach this idea of? Um, I want you to learn and understand mm-hmm. sort of the abstract components of yeah. it, but at the same time, through the experience that will hopefully resonate. With mm-hmm. you, I, I'm not really sure how it's no, going to work I, with you. No, I, I get, I get what you're saying, um, especially because like this is, um, so so being a, a beer sommelier is 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 similar to being a wine sommelier, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that my and I don't mean to say uh, this is going to sound pompous, but whatever. I mean, we just talked about yeast on yeah. beard here, so I don't think. <laughs> Um, my palate for beer is very developed. Mm-hmm. I've been spending a very long time. I've been spending many years. I would hope so. Touring the, like the entire state of yeah. California, tasting beer everywhere I go and sort of noticing the difference between mm-hmm. those beers because I'm very curious about it because it's something that interests me. Sure. Um, and so I know when I taste something, how to look for a certain flavor or how to notice a certain flavor. 
Um, and to a certain extent, again, pompous, I know. Mm-hmm. It's like listening to uh, like like a piece of music and, and being able to pick out the different instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you become that, when your palate becomes that sort of developed, it becomes kind of difficult to communicate with people whose palates are not developed. Right, because suddenly, how do you communicate your expert thinking exactly. to someone who is not only not an expert, but barely a novice? Right? Exactly. We had a teacher, I had a teacher in college uh, named Bill Russi. Uh, he was a chemistry teacher. Um, dude was, he was a genius, okay? He was a flat-out genius. He was, uh, uh, I don't know what kind of, awards he got from um you know from academic chemistry societies but he was he was extremely lettered and he was a really smart guy worst teacher ever hmm. because he didn't his level was so high yeah. and he like he couldn't and he taught intro to chem you know and it's like no don't do that <laughs> don't do that yeah yeah, yeah. so you know that it almost spits in the face of the idea of um those who can't teach yeah it goes around to those who can might not be able to teach precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so, with 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 being a cicerone, that's going to be a big challenge for me. Um, and it's why I it's why I kind of value the fact about myself that that I like Bud Light. You mm-hmm. know that I'm not yeah. that I'm not a beer snob. That the more I try to learn, the less I the more I try to keep in mind that. Try to ground yourself with a common Precisely. palette, the common man. Yeah, yeah, but also do it without being a douchebag. Yeah, without you know? calling them common. Yeah, right. <laughs> common folk. <laughs> What's good about me is that so, I understand you common folk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this beer will be delicious to an idiot such as yourself. <laughs> I can appreciate the Bud Lights of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, when I decided to do it um, was when we were in, um, where the hell were we? It was in California somewhere. The brewery was called Hen House Brewing. Um, and I think it was, God, I can't remember where it was. Oh, my God. That's, Southern California? No. Northern? Maybe. Central? <laughs> um, I'm only, I'm not even 100% sure it was California. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was California. It was this year. It was This story somehow, you started telling the story and then you turned into my grandmother. <laughs> You're like, like, your Uncle Al, what he used to do is, and then she'd go through this whole story and be like, actually, no, that was my childhood friend. And yeah, like, uh, who are you? I'm going to call you by four different names yeah, before yeah, I yeah, arrive yeah. at Jason. Yeah, yeah. And make you jello at every holiday because you said you liked it once. Or just call me jello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we were at a brewery. It's called Hen House Brewing. That I remember. I don't recall exactly where it was, um, but it, it is in California. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> Google Hen House Brewing. Um, we were there and we, uh, it was a pretty crowded place. And I went up to the, uh, you know, I went up to the bar and I ordered a flight. Mm-hmm. And the guy who, who took my order, uh, I remember he, his name was Fridge. Um, I don't know if that was his real name or if it was a nickname. No, um, it was definitely on the birth certificate. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it's like short for some like sort of like ethnicity that I don't know, you know? Um, yeah. ma- like maybe it was some Scandinavian thing. Sure. Um, anyway, he, he took my order and he said, uh, he said, well, okay, I'll bring this out to you. Go sit down, which is not something that ever happens mm-hmm. in breweries. Usually they take your order, you right. just stand there at the bar and they give it to you. It was pretty sure. crowded. I was guessing that was why, you know, because he just wanted to move the line along. So when I sat down and when I did, 
he came out to where Alana and I were sitting um, and he explained each beer to us, Hmm. which had never happened to me before. And Mm. like, you know, a lot of like uh, a lot of people who tend bar breweries, they're all very smart. You have to be a Cicerone to be able to do it. Sure. You know, Um, and they're all very knowledgeable and they're all like good to talk to. This is the first time I had ever experienced this level of of attention, especially Mm -hmm. in such a big crowd. Um, Even in school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he came out and he explained each beer to us. He explained how each one was brewed. Um, he, He told us the flavors to look for. Uh, some of them I found, some of them I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, I don't know, it spoke to me in a way that that few, even as much as I love beer and as much as I love learning about it, that few situations have in my, in my entire sort of beer drinking career. Mm. Um, and I really like that he, he came out with us and like taught us about the beer we were drinking yeah um in a very approachable way and i asked him he he was studying as well he was he was at the first level um which is where i'll be in a couple of weeks how many levels are there i think there's four okay um is is your goal eventually to get to the fourth i think so level I think. And then start a YouTube channel. Yeah, well. Where you go through. <laughs> that, that's Here's the thing. Quentin Tar- Tarantino constructs a beer. No. So my goal is uh, once I get my, um, you know, once I pass this first level is I want to be able to sort of work in a brewery a couple days a week, maybe tending bar, working back in the brewery and sort of learning about the process. Um, and my, you know, I think that my ultimate goal is to be able to take that knowledge and communicate it to people somehow in a broader sense mm-hmm. rather than to sort of situate myself in one space and where I brew, where I'm brewing beer or serving beer or something like that. Um, I'm much more interested in talking about it and, and there aren't a lot of, a lot of, um, um, beer podcasts and a lot of beer videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, they're very inside baseball. Uh, yeah, it's all a bunch of guys with beards. Um, <laughs> That's and it's, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you're sort of an outsider because uh, people don't see you, but you're you're pretty clean cut. Yeah, you've got kind of a surfer uh, wavy hair. It's not long, but it's yeah. just like kind of flowing. Yeah, uh, you you you're not tatted up. You don't yeah. have plugs. You're uh-huh. you're not the stereotypical hipster or craft brewery. You know, shaved yeah. head, big beard. Do do you feel like somewhat of an outsider? And that, because I, 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 just from my own personal experience, uh, coming from the world of comedy writing, yeah, I constantly feel like an outsider, yeah, in education, because yeah. I just feel like uh, I, I was sort of picked from one of those claw machines, mm-hmm. but then dropped into a totally different field, a totally different world, yeah, and it's something that I care about greatly and I'm passionate about, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I almost feel like, um, you know. Not that I have these same qualities, but almost like how Superman must felt. Yeah. Have felt walking among, felt like he was a human. <laughs> <laughs> the way like the character Superman would feel walking among all the mortals, just like, yeah. you know, am I, should I be here? Yeah. Like, do they all know that I shouldn't be here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not, I don't, you know, I have a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. and I think that's what a lot of, uh, what a lot of people look for um, is there when i do feel when i feel on the spot and when i feel like there's moments where mm. i have to sort of prove myself it's usually i can do it because i know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um and i think that the beer community really values that so ultimately what you would like to do is take your knowledge 
take the thing that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. turn it into some sort of non-traditional class. Yeah, where I think that's fair. You are sharing your knowledge, getting people excited about it. Yeah, and doing it in a way that is much more uh, experiential and relevant and accessible and and accessible. Yeah, and will impart a sort of pun intended a thirst mm-hmm. for seeking out additional knowledge on the topic independently. Yeah, right. Yes, and. That's one of the things that I love about this podcast is when you meet people who are, you know, you you talk about, oh, I want to be a beer sommelier. At first blush, there is zero connection with education. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. you basically becoming a teacher mm-hmm. and a non-traditional teacher, but a teacher nonetheless and dealing and grappling with the same things that we deal with in a classroom every day. How do we make what I care about? relevant to you and something that you will use in your life and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of amazing that uh you know it was it was a circuitous route that we took yeah but we you know we yeah. got back around here and here yeah. we are talking about you know the mindset of somebody who loves to learn and who somehow never did well in school and got so far away from education that he might now become an, a non-traditional teacher yeah. So welcome to the world of education. Yay. It is uh, not well paid. No. <laughs> no. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. Yeah. Uh, I feel a little tipsy from all the beer talk, but that's okay. Not a boy. Uh, I'm also a little thirsty. So we, I, I do this every week with a guest, uh, and I used to call it homework Yeah. because, you know, teachers give homework and this and that, but you know what? I don't give homework. I don't like homework. It doesn't serve. Wait, you don't give homework? I don't. It doesn't serve a purpose and there's a whole. There's got to be like. Yeah, there's a whole long thing. Controversies and arguments about it. Oh my gosh, there's a whole thing. But uh, so I've spoken to a few people and they're like, you know, you give homework, but then you always give a qualifier. Why you don't like to call this homework, but you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just call it extra credit? Great. So we have an extra credit assignment that I would like for you to give to my audience members. something, Something that they can do. Between now and the next show, it can be anything. It could be a book that you want them to read, a show or a movie you want them to check out, a type of food, uh, anything. What is a bit of extra credit homework? <laughs> what is a bit of extra credit work that you would like to give the audience between now and the next time they join the show? Um, so uh, there's a show on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Ah, uh, yes. Which Have you watched it? I, I have. Oh, my God. Yeah, my wife is really into it it's so good we <laughs> devoured it and i think two, it's not that long it's like i think only yeah it's like five six episodes. yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. But we, we we devoured it in two nights wow. and that was actually deliberate because i had to get up early one morning mm-hmm. and i said okay we need to stop watching but we would have <laughs> if it had been like a friday night um i highly recommend this show I highly, highly recommend Can you it. quickly recap what that it show is? is so it's funny because is. it happened in the 80s uh, in Oregon. There was a cult um, called the Rajneeshi cult, which basically took over a town. Um, they In were, Oregon, right? In Oregon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, I, at first it was like the, their biggest sort of drawback was that they were kind of weirdos, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they dressed the same. They dressed in like red. All were, red, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were also, I think, kind of a sex cult. And 
So I mean, that was definitely the subtext. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, the neighbors would talk about how they like, did a lot of meditation, but then it was also like unleashed meditation. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but as it, as the cult got bigger, they wound up taking over, like literally taking over the town. Mm-hmm. They they um, I won't go too into it, but they um, you know towns small towns have. Their yeah, it was own like government. Of like two thousand people or something. Yeah, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they have their own governments and they have their own democracies and they have their own uh, uh, elections. Mm-hmm. And so, if you um, you want to be a uh, if you want to be mayor of a small town, um, just have ten thousand of your friends move there and all vote for you for mayor, and then you're mayor, right? Yep. Um, that's easier said than done. There's another documentary <laughs> very similar to this one called Welcome to Leith. Um, which uh, Wild Wild Country is a series. Welcome to Leith is a, is a feature, is a single okay. feature. Um, the exact same thing happened in a town called Leith in, I want to say it was one of the Dakotas. It was somewhere in the sort of northern Midwest. It, listen, they're one of the, just yeah. Dakota. I, well, I don't know why we needed to call them North and South Dakota. You would think North Dakota would want that really badly. Cause but like literally, South name Dak- five things that come from the Dakotas. I can like, name... If, just call it Dakota. Make it if, a big state. If four of them are the faces of presidents carved into a mountain, <laughs> yeah. I can do that. Um, it's such a, it's unbelievable. It's like we have North and South Carolina, we have North and South Dakota, uh-huh. and I don't understand what was so important that we were like, uh, I don't have another name, but I really like the Dakota. So I'm just, you yeah. know, instead of calling this Dakota, this will be North Dakota and that'll be South Dakota. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. It seems like the most uh, lazy meeting I for think, naming a state I've ever I think heard. South Dakota actually had some sort of tourism slogan that basically boiled down to like we're not North Dakota. Perfect. Because North Dakota is I don't even I've never been there. It's, I, that, I've been to South Dakota. <laughs> I've never been to North Dakota. I'm just saying we have all these states and yet why why did the Dakotas need to be the plural of Dakota? This really took a turn. It I think. really did. It's, it's going to be funny when I get back to my point, which okay. is that, so Welcome to Leith is a story about the same thing happening, mm-hmm. only instead of cultists, it was white supremacists um, who all moved into this town called Leith. Much less sexy. So that they could uh, basically uh, elect themselves to public office and Ooh. basically make this like a sundown town, like a town that was like a, you know, a white nationalist mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of That's mecca. crazy. Um, that doc- documentary is much more painful to watch. Mm. Um, not that uh, Wild Wild Country doesn't have its painful moments, but sure. uh, you know, um, the figure that comes out of it. Uh, Wild Wild Country is just a lot more campy. It's like, wow, it's, what a bunch of weird people yeah. doing weird stuff. It's not as dark and insidious as no. uh, the KKK. No, 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 not at all. And like some of the, even some of the, like there, there's former cultists who were interviewed in mm-hmm. it. Um, and some of them are, like at least one of them is, um, he seems like he was really like, you generally think of cultists as people who are maybe not brainwashed, but they mm-hmm. like needed something in their life and the cult sort of filled that, right. you know, um, this guy, he, he was a lawyer for the cult and he was more than like, he believed it. Mm-hmm. He believed it deep down yeah. and it, it, it feels like it kind of in made him a country. Yeah. 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 That guy. It, yeah. it feels like it kind of made him like a nicer person. Mm. almost yeah like if anything good came out of this whole mess yeah it was that this guy is like a good dude now yeah whereas um, before he was like an la yeah yeah he was a skeezy LA lawyer crazy yeah. sleazy lawyer yeah. yeah but um but uh but sheila uh the woman who was the she's the sort of the, the central focus of the documentary she was the the she wasn't the head of the um 
of the cult. She wasn't the figure it was, it was surrounded up, but she was the sort of organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's an amazing character, an mm-hmm. amazing, amazing, like just insane personality that is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, she's clearly, I think at, at the very least, like a, like a, a narcissist, um, possibly yeah. a sociopath, it's possibly a sociopath. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Close to the sociopath. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I loved it. I highly recommend it. Awesome. All right. So, uh, it's for the extra credit. Uh, maybe what, what would you pair this with? What would you pair this documentary with in terms of beer? In terms of beer? Um, that is a good question because it's Oregon. Uh-huh. Um, I am going to suggest any of the great Oregon breweries. Uh, um, Not an IPA. Uh, no, actually, uh, Mirror Pond IPA, which a uh, Deschutes brewery outside of Oregon, they make an IPA called Mirror Pond. Um, which is a very drinkable IPA. It's not, it might be too, it's not too bitter for me. Mm-hmm. People who aren't used to drinking a lot of beer might find it too bitter, but I find it very easy going. But they also have a great stout called um, Black Butte, um, which is just absolutely delicious. It's one of my favorite, I don't know if it's one of my favorite stouts, it's one of my favorite stouts that I can get in almost any supermarket. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, so any of the Oregon brews, uh, there's also Rogue, um, Rogue has a lot of great, uh, a lot, Rogue is a very sort of, um, uh, they're kind of a gimmicky brewery. They do partnerships with like, they did a partnership with Sriracha. They made a Sriracha beer. Mm. They did a partnership with, um, uh, with Voodoo Donuts, which is a big donut shop place in Portland. Right. And they did like a donut beer. So they do a lot of like sort of goofy, wacky stuff like that. Yeah. But they also do some very basic, they have a great brown ale that's really delicious. Um, and they have a, they have Dead Guy, which I think is a pale ale, which is pretty good. Um, so yeah, any, there's any number of great breweries in, 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 in Oregon that would pair very well with this show. Nice. So you have wild, wild country, uh, you have your selection of Oregonian beer. Yes. And, uh, yeah, this was uh, really fun, really informative. Uh, I, like I said, I learned, you know, when I, when I decided to have you come on the show when I wanted, when I asked you to come on, I was like, okay. This person I know is a really great communicator and he's doing something that's really interesting with uh, studying to become a Cicerone. Uh, And yet I feel like by the end of this conversation, it was even more than I thought uh, related to education. And so I really appreciate you taking time to come in and I hope you. Oh, I love it. This is great. I love it when people just let me talk. Listen, I I will. I will do that all day. Anyway, thanks again for coming. Really appreciate it. And uh, cheers. This was lovely. Okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my guest, Kevin Ott, and thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. Now, I know, I ask this every week, but if you wouldn't mind, please go right to the pod class homepage on whatever platform you get the show and leave a five-star rating. The more ratings my show gets, the easier it will be for people to find the show. Also, don't forget to come back next week for my mini pod show, presuming my new boss baby is cool with me recording next to his crib like I've been doing for the last 10 weeks. And if he isn't, well, I'll figure something out. Anybody out there have an extra room I can borrow for a couple hours a week? Not even to record a podcast, just to nap, sleep, something, please. Two kids is no joke. Anyway, be sure to hit me up on social media under the username at teachmemrwest or via email podclasspod. That's podclasspod at gmail.com. That's all for this week. Podclass dismissed.